What's up, everybody? Welcome to a very special episode, a collab, as we would call it, between 48 Minutes and Shot Callers. Uh, Tim Daniel here representing the 48 Minutes team, as always. And the Shot caller side of it, none other than Good Luck Kyle himself. What's up, man? How are you? I'm really good. This is a, a really fun trade, and we have two excellent guests. So yes. this is going to be good. We got the best of both worlds right here, so... Yes, yeah, so this is going to be our only NBA show this week. Uh, so we're going to have, on the 48 Minutes team, myself and Sean Mackey, we talk with Jackson Frank of the Athletic Philadelphia and Liberty Ballers about the Sixer side of it. And then on your end... Uh, yeah, we talked to uh, Ben Beacon. He's the uh, site editor at Dunking with Wolves. So um, we really dive into the Timberwolves. Absolutely. So this is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to give you both ends of the deal. It's a good hour-long episode or so, so... Hope you enjoy it, and uh, without further ado, here's the collab. Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kittrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom, shakalaka. You wanted to come with it, done it, we got her with punishment. Dougie just caught with it, but they hear what we coming with. Others in love with the drug in this family, just running it. Long as the public is coming, then we keep them loving it. 48 Minutes, 48 Minutes, 48 Minutes. Jackson, last time we had you on the show, you were writing for Liberty Ballers, but now you've got The Athletic next to your name. So first off, <laughs> congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'll still be, still be with Liberty Ballers, doing a lot of stuff for them, but uh, a little bit of my work can be, be found at The Athletic Philadelphia, which is, which is pretty awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the kind words. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I know The Athletic's blowing up. I had a friend that bought me a gift subscription, <laughs> so I've been using it a lot now, and uh Hey man, what a time to get on there! Jimmy Butler gets traded to the Sixers, and now you're a part of the Athletic. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess uh, I guess he's he's the bigger move to uh, he stole my he stole my thunder, my, my big move to uh, <laughs> over there. Curse him. Uh, no, but yeah, uh, obviously really big news. I was uh, was making breakfast yesterday and uh, pulled my phone out of my pocket, and I had seven notifications from from Shams and, and Woj and uh I didn't even really see the kind of the, the developing tweets from Zach Lowe and those guys I just saw the official kind of news broke while uh, so I uh, didn't have to really agonize over over if it was going to get done today or who was going to get traded or whatnot so uh, I just saw the the end result and really and find, find the formative tweets or anything like that well because there wasn't any developing tweets it was like like literally I took a shower I came out and like got dressed put my phone checked my phone I was like oh shit it happened because it was like earlier that day was the uh, Sam Amico article that came out where Butler's like bitching about playing forty one minutes and I was like oh good timing that I, I didn't see, I don't think I saw that until after the the trade was announced but that but that had me cracking up it was it was pretty funny something like we've got fourteen other dudes on the roster or whatever uh, I mean he, he's right it's 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 funny I mean forty one minutes is is pretty absurd no matter who who does if it's a, not a playoff game or something like that or a really important regular season game but. But uh, yeah, it, it was funny to, to see that come out. Uh, I guess it came out the night before, the the morning before. But uh, but yeah, that uh, things moved really quickly. You know, it was it was. I mean, obviously, I think it went faster than the Kawhi Leonard deal, but it felt kind of similar. You know, we had all this all this talk for for X amount of time, and then uh, we didn't have a ton of just uh, the two teams were discussing discussing things. It was just like boom, Kawhi Leonard was a Raptor, and then boom, Jimmy Butler's a Sixer. So uh, just uh, two two really good wing All Star wings. Uh, Got traded in three months, three months or so. I uh, didn't feel like there was a lot of buildup uh, beyond like the six weeks. There, I mean, the Leonard thing was longer, but it just felt like bang, the trade happened, and then uh, it was time to process and react. So I guess the process is over, correct? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess part of it depends on exactly what what people view as the process. If the process is uh, winning a championship, then obviously they still have a little bit of ways to go there. Um, but I think if you just view the process as getting a team that's championship caliber or title title contention, uh, NBA Finals contention, then they've certainly done that. I mean, uh, I, I still might favor uh, the Raptors over them, but uh, if everything goes well, there's no reason they can't. They can't be in the conversation now to, and maybe push the Raptors, even knock off the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. But uh, yeah, now the East is really fun. You got four four teams that I think all have a good chance to have some chance of making the Eastern Conference Finals um, among the Sixers, the Celtics, the the Bucks, and the Raptors. So the Sixers ended up trading away Robert Covington and Dario Saric and Bayless, who sounds like he might be getting waived. Um, it's a lot of a lot of shooting that they got rid of, and a lot of shooting disappeared over the off season as well. Um, how do you think the Sixers are going to to fill that void? Uh, I would imagine they're going to pick up a, a guy or two, just like they did last year. Um, I know Kyle Korver is a guy they've been linked to a lot, and they're still yeah. they still have interest in him. So I I wouldn't be surprised if they if they uh, they acquired him in the in the coming days, weeks, or months, or whatever. Um, and then, I mean, there's a, there's a host of other guys I'm sure they can pick up uh, as, the, as the season progresses. Um, obviously, you just don't quite know if, if teams are going to buy out veterans, if they're, if they're lottery-bound, things like that. But I, but I think Corbett's probably their, their first target. Uh, probably looking to move a young, young guy like uh, Furkan Korkmaz. Uh, the, the cupboard's pretty bare. The cupboard's pretty bare in, in Cleveland, so I'd imagine they would, they would like a, a guy like Korkmaz. Fresh start for him. Um, but yeah, so I, I think shooting might be a little bit of an issue. Um, I, I think Butler's had pretty good catch and shoot numbers uh, beyond the arc. His issue is he doesn't tend to shoot a ton of threes. Um, I think he's averaging like a career high in three point attempts at four and a half this year. His previous career high was like three point four last year. Um, he's always kind of hovered in the three to three and a half range uh, since he kind of became a star. So if you can notch that up to five to six, if he plays off the ball a little more with with Embiid and Simmons, then then you have some things. I mean, he he, he could shoot. He's not going to do the same things as uh, as JJ Redick or Marco Bellinelli or guys like that uh, coming off a lot of screens. But you can spot him up on the wing. So I think uh, I think there will be uh, some some issues. Um, but I don't think the spacing will be as bad as maybe we first thought. Um, because I would imagine this this trade is going to facilitate uh, a, a lineup change. I'd imagine they bring JJ Redick back into the starting lineup and let Fultz uh, kind of handle the second unit. Which I think is would be good for all parties. Um, so I think there'll be there will be some spacing issues, but I think Butler's a better shooter than maybe uh, the raw numbers kind of suggest because he's had a really big uh, workload and had to shoot a lot of pull up threes, bail out threes, things like that. Yeah. Uh, but now with another really talented ball handler like Simmons, maybe maybe we see him a little more, a uh, little better in terms of shooting less mid range jumpers, more catch and shoot threes. Um, so there's going to be an adjustment period. I don't expect them to come out of the gates and look like uh, a top three team in the in the West or East. Excuse me. Um, I guess they could look like a top three team in the, the West as well. Um, but, but yeah, I think there'll be some growing pains. But in the long run, I think I think by Christmas, by the New Year, this is a team that will 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 realize is really really good. One of the funnier news bits that I saw uh, yesterday evening was that. Wiggins apparently told Embiid that they are going to love Jimmy Butler. And <laughs> I just, I, I don't know what it was, but I feel like that was just kind of, 
if that's true, how do you how do you take a guy like like Andrew Wiggins seriously after saying that with all this beef he had with him? Yeah, I don't, yeah, I didn't see that. I was I was uh, I was busy doing some some work last night, so I didn't I didn't read a lot of the the articles um, or, or tidbits. But um, I don't know if I'm off base here, but I but I felt like as the story kind of progressed, it seemed like more of the the tension was just between Towns and Butler. Um, it seemed like he didn't have a huge deal. With, Wiggins didn't have a huge issue with Butler, even though his brother tweeted that really cryptic thing. Um, Aunt Wiggins' brother, um, or whatever, when when the news first broke about Butler wanting to be traded. Um, but it seemed like as the thing kind of progressed, it, it was less of an issue with with Wiggins. Um, but yeah, but I I think. I mean, I, I get that maybe there's going to be some animosity, and, and maybe they could be. It's a combustible uh, dynamic for sure. But uh, obviously, MB likes to have fun and, and do a lot of that social media stuff and, and draw players when he dominates them, or even if he doesn't dominate them. But uh, he's really, really competitive. He works super hard. Um, you don't, you don't, you don't start playing basketball at 16, and then become MB, MVP caliber guy by 20, 24, whatever, without having an insane work ethic. So I think I think they're going to be fine. Um, both dudes want to win. Both dudes seem to kind of enjoy themselves when they're winning and playing well. Um, really competitive guys. So I think that'll work. Um, I think I think get along pretty well with Simmons too. Um, I know Simmons has maybe a little more of a, a nonchalant nature to him, but I also think he's probably a guy that works really hard. It's tough to speculate just because I'm not. I don't, I don't see these things from day to day. Um, but yeah, that, that that was interesting. But but I do think it's going to be a, a dynamic that works well. Maybe I'm being a little bit of overly optimistic, but I think it's going to be something that works really well because. The the difference uh, um, between Towns and Wiggins and, and Simmons and Embiid is that uh, Simmons and Embiid are really good defensively, and, and Towns and Wiggins aren't that. And I think Butler really likes guys who play hard on both ends, and that's something that Simmons and, and Embiid rarely have any issue uh, issue doing. So I think having two really good defenders um, as your franchise cornerstones rather than two guys who really struggle defensively is, is going to be one of the main reasons that this relationship doesn't go the same exact way as it did in Minnesota. So I can tell you, uh, I guess we can tell you as Bulls fans, uh, we witnessed a lot of the Butler um, fun, as you put it, when when things are going well. And then we also saw a lot of the uh, the roughness as fans, um, a.k.a. calling out teammates. Um, I think we saw the beginning of the Butler calling out teammates, actually, uh, as Bulls fans. But I- I'm actually I'm super stoked for this. We've been talking about this since we found out Kawhi went to Toronto. And then the butler just came out that this would be the best fit for him. But there are some people that do disagree, and that does shock me. And I think a lot of the reasons some people do disagree is because of Markel Fultz. You made the point earlier of Markel Fultz running the second union, I think would be awesome, especially with having Butler on this team, getting that defensibility out of them. Um, is there fear that that Jimmy Butler might make Markel Fultz cry at some point? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I try, I, it's tough to really speculate on that stuff. I, I think in terms of actual basketball things, I think this is in the short term, I think this is really going to benefit Fultz. Let him let him play uh, second unit more, eliminate some of those weird, really clunky minutes that he's had with Ben Simmons when they start together. Um, they virtually have eliminated all those overlaps beyond the first six minutes of the game. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't play really at all together moving forward if Fultz is coming off the bench. Um, but I think in the long run, it definitely shows that uh, – his time might be coming to a close. Um, I think he's on the hook for like 10 million in his contract. And if they can, if they ship him out somewhere that opens up more room to, to kind of do some financial and cap gymnastics to, uh, to, to open up another max, max slot this summer, even if they uh, sign Butler again, 
So I, I think um, it's I, I think I don't like to talk a lot about the off off the court stuff. I just I just don't know. Um, right. It seems like Fultz it works really hard. Um, I mean, obviously he's been through a lot, and um, I, I know Butler's had a very uh, kind of demonstrative nature and in, in very uh, just all about winning, all about intensity and things like that. Um, but but I would hope that there's some understanding with folds. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I, but I think in terms of just basketball fit in the short term, it's going to benefit folds. Um, but in terms of his, his role in the team moving forward, I definitely think there are some fears that they could uh, try and take, open up some more cap space and, and find, uh, give him, get him, get him somewhere else. Um, Cause it's going to be tough to see him reach his, even his post injury potential here on a, on a team that's, that's trying to win, win an NBA title. Um, just because he needs a lot of reps, and I don't think this is the team that's going to give him the full amount of reps to kind of let him develop as a shooter and, and a defender and all the things that he, he can bring to the table at his, at his uh, ceiling. Yeah, and I think that's a, I mean, that's 100% on the dot. So, you know, what I really like about this team too, this Philly team, is it seems like they've had a lot of guys that have kind of really blossomed and really kind of in their roles too. And I think getting Butler really helps that a lot. Uh, you talk about a guy like Landry Shamet. I think he's going to be really beneficial for Butler when they're on the court together. Um, what are some other guys you really see kind of elevating their game in this situation? Not just the Simmons and Embiid's, but who's another guy you think could potentially take that next step? Maybe like, I mean, maybe like a Reddick kind of have an additional guy there. Yeah, no, I, I think having, I think having another primary facilitator on the floor with Reddick when Simmons isn't out there, it will be huge. Um, they've had to lean on uh, Reddick at times as a, as a primary ball handler, um, which really isn't his strength um let him come off uh screens and and stuff like that just let him run all over the court and so i think letting butler handle the offense and him just do his thing as a shooter is really going to benefit him um i would just say anyone who excels off the ball um as a shooter or pick and roll partner um is really gonna is really gonna work well with butler um he's a pretty good passer i I wouldn't put him in the top tier of guys but um i think he's averaged over five assists the last few years um or 4.9 4.9 last year, five and a half in 2016-17. Obviously, that's not uh, a great barometer, but I think he's shown to be pretty capable as a primary ball handler. Um, generally, he's been pretty efficient in the pick and roll um, in terms of points per possession and how he ranks among the rest of the league. Um, but yeah, so I, I think just letting him handle the offense and having a guy who can create his own shot in the half court is really going to benefit the team. Um, it's pretty wild how much they rely on uh, Joel Embiid when they need a bucket. Bucket. Um, Great, great case for that was uh, their game against the Hornets on on Friday. I think Shania grew stagnant, and the only source of offense they had was Embiid, um, which is generally pretty fine because Embiid's an absolute monster. But I think having a guy who can create his own shot from the perimeter is really huge. Uh, so I think it's just guys tend to play better with with players who are really well, and I think um, I think that's going to be the case with Butler, who's a really good player when he's when he's healthy and not uh, demanding a trade. So you said earlier that you probably would still probably take Toronto in the case, but I'm curious about how this team now matched up with the Celtics. Obviously, they've been a thorn in the Sixers' sides. <laughs> Having a guy like Butler, you know, a, a, a three a three man tandem of Simmons and Beat and Butler is outstanding on paper. And I agree. I think it's going to take some time for this to come together. And like by the you know by the beginning of the new year, and by the All Star break, I really think they could really kind of find their find their groove. Um, where do you see this team matching up with Boston in this case? Do you think it's a team that really, let's say everything clicks, everything goes well for Philly? Is this a seven-game series? Yeah, I would say so. I, mean, I think there's still some issues. Um, Baines and Horford have really proven to to contain uh, and be in the post, which is where a lot of his offense comes. But 
I think the, the difference now is they don't need to rely on Embiid in the half court for every bucket now. Um, they can give the ball to Butler and and uh, hopefully they run some more pick and rolls in offense. They're kind of notorious for being a really low pick and roll team, but I think part of that is because they haven't really had a, a ball handler who can create his own shot and, and pull up off, off the dribble and things like that. So I think it was kind of a, a chicken and egg thing. Do they not run very many pick and rolls because they didn't have the personnel or they don't have the personnel because they didn't run very many pick and rolls, you know? So I think uh, hopefully they tinker the offense a little bit and let, let uh, Butler do his thing as a, a ball handler. Um, but the huge thing is, is having an elite on-ball defender. While Covington is really good, um, and I think he's elite in his own right, he's not a guy who you can you can throw on the best players and tell them to shut him down. He's a lot better off the ball, kind of using his length and smarts and instincts to to wreak havoc. Um, he saw he really struggled against Jason Tatum on the ball. So I think um, I think having a guy in Butler who can who can you can throw on Kyrie, you can throw on Tatum, um, and and just tell him to to make their life hell um, is going to be huge defensively. So I, I think there's still some issues. I still worry about um, Embiid, like I said, but I think there's a lot more things that can go right with with Butler there, um, Butler there rather than uh, Fultz and not Fultz, Fultz still there, excuse me, um, Sarge and Covington. So uh, I think it, I think I, I I probably would go seven. I don't know where I'd lean. Both teams are really good. Um, I, I would I would think I'd say the team with more talent um, or the the best players would would win. But last year they had the two best players or. We thought the two best players, and obviously they didn't work out for the Sixers. So, um, but yeah, the, the, that trio was probably the the best uh, trio we have outside of Golden State. I mean, three top twenty-five, top thirty players, and two to the top fifteen is a, is an insane uh, duo in in a trio. So, um, yeah, it should should be interesting to see how it all works out. And um, there's a lot of boomer bust potential that people talked about, but I think I think it's a lot more likely to boom than it is to bust. Well, we could. We only hope. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, going going back to um, the guys that were shipped out, uh, Rocco and of course Dario Saric and, and Bayless, um, getting shipped out to um, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Robert Covington last year signed that contract, and it was it's a it's a friendly contract. It's not terrible. Um, Wolves are also getting Dario Saric, who's been a very, very productive player over the last couple seasons. Um, what would you tell Minnesota Timberwolves fans that they're they're getting out of these two guys? Uh, I would say that they should pray that that the Timberwolves find a, a good offensive coach in the offseason. <laughs> um, um, just and that's not even necessarily a slight on Tibbs. He just has not proven to have a really uh, modern offense. It's not yeah. very adaptable. Um, they're, they were pretty sure. good. I think they were top 10 in offensive efficiency last year, but a lot of it was just Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns are really good. Um, I don't think it's one that you could put on any team and it could work. So, um, But yeah, front court of Sarge and, and Towns is really fun offensively. Um, Sarge can, can shoot the ball a lot, uh, or shoot the ball really well usually. He's had a weird start to the year, picked it up the last couple of games, so hopefully that, that carries over for him. Um, can handle the ball a little bit. Pretty good passer. Um, I hope they use him at the elbows a little bit and, and run run him off, run some cutters and screen uh, and whatnot off the ball and let him kind of facilitate at times. Uh, he's a pretty bad defender, especially in space. Uh, um, pretty, he's decent actually on the interior, so um, I think he makes some nice plays there. But uh, yeah, Covington Covington's awesome. Um, it, I think for a lot of people, it was tough to see him go, uh, just because he kind of stood for what the process was about. Um, but he's he's a top fifty, top fifty five player in the league, uh, elite defender, uh, really good shooter. Um, so so I think they got two really good players. Obviously, it sounds like Bayless is going to be waived. He's 
he's not, not nothing more than really bench fodder at this point. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think they got two really good win now pieces, and uh, both are young enough that you can kind of build around build around Towns um, moving forward. Obviously, Covington isn't that young; he's, he's he'll be twenty twenty eight in December, but uh, he's not a guy who's relies a ton on athleticism and things like that. So I think he's a guy who's pretty gonna gonna age pretty well. Um, whereas Sarge is, I think, twenty twenty four or twenty five. Yeah, I'm gonna double check that, but um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty good haul uh, considering they wanted to win now players. I don't know if I'd uh, uh, say they're going to make the playoffs or anything, but um, but they got, they got two really good players, and uh, given everything that happened over the last six weeks, I think seven weeks, uh, yeah. it was a pretty good outcome for them. I think. I feel like the the Rockets kind of kind of dodged a bullet with this this four four uh, first round pick offer because they're a complete mess right now. And I, I just feel like the Timberwolves, they got some decent, some decent players, uh, for Butler. Um, and it was obvious thing, you know, things weren't going the right way in Minnesota. And especially after that, that loss of Sacramento the other night, they were just, they were really kind of at a fork in the road. Um, so this deal goes down and I mean, it's assumed that the, the 76ers are going to offer, Butler a five-year max contract worth 190 million dollars, which seems absolutely crazy to me. But um, especially, you know, getting into that that fourth or fifth season uh, for a guy who's had some some injury problems over the last couple years. How uh, how fearful are you that um, you know by season you know four or five this might be kind of look like a bad contract? Yeah, I think that's definitely something you have to you have to brace for. Um, but I think I think the beauty is that you still have two really good young players, and so even if Butler um, is on a bad contract, I think there's going to still be a way to keep him effective. But yeah, I think there's definitely some some reason for for hesitancy and and maybe a little bit of fear um, in the long run. But but I think this is a move that uh, signifies they're ready to win now, and um, I, I have no issue with it. I think in the next two or three years, Butler's still going to be a really productive player, and so. Um, which kind of seems maybe be the time that Golden State starts to kind of fall off a little bit, um, and then it's really wide open. Um, there's a ton of teams that could end up uh, being being the team to uh, knock off knock off um, uh, the Warriors or, or whatever or whoever else comes comes out of the the post Warriors era. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a little bit of hesitancy, but I but I I don't really have an issue with it because I, I think um, Butler's still really good and it's probably going to be really good for for a while longer um they've the they've shown to be pretty pretty careful with Embiid and so I'd imagine they they have some rest days for Jimmy and they, they reduce his minutes to 32 or 33 rather than the 37 to 38 he's playing for a while um so I think they're gonna be careful with him kind of know that they need him for the playoffs and while they they want him for the regular season there's still gonna be some times that maybe he sits out or maybe they play him a few less minutes um than, than he actually uh, deserves or needs you know yeah absolutely um I kind of asked Jackson real quick on the Minnesota side. I know it's a little different, um, you know, <laughs> different, I guess, being the understatement. So, you know, this, this, now that the move's been done, we've seen this like resurgence almost of Derek Rose and um, obviously bringing Robert Covington in, you know, is this a situation where you're going to kind of see, cause we've got Sean and I kind of discussed this back and forth where I thought this might be the highest usage rate Rose has had probably since that year in New York. And he kind of seems to think Rocco is going to dive into that. Where do you lean in that? Do you think this is something where maybe he gets more of these opportunities to have these big games he's had of late? Um, I mean, I think if I'm correct, I think he's been starting because 
Teague's been injured, right? Yeah. I think I think Teague's been out. Um so I would I would imagine that uh once Teague comes back he still gets the starting job. Obviously Teague's been off to a bad start this year. Uh, not shooting the ball very well. But um I think yeah, I mean I guess obviously he looks pretty healthy. Um and so I think you could see you could see maybe some more big nights like this, twenty to thirty points. Um but the issue is he's a guy when the ball's not going in the hoop, he doesn't really offer you anything. Right. Um he's still he's still a traffic cone defensively. He can't really pass the ball very effectively. So I think I think at some point he's gonna kinda come come down from this this uh hot spell and um and he's can become kind of a bench spark for them, which I think is his his best role at this point. Um because I mean obviously Teague hasn't had to play well this year, but he's still pretty good, had a good year last year. Um and he's a lot better as a passer. Um, and can, obviously, he's not great defensively either. He's pretty poor there. Um, but but I would still imagine that I, I don't, that Rose has a, a fairly big role just because uh, Tibbs really seems to trust him and like him. I don't think Covington's really going to cut into that. Covington's offensive usage is primary, at least in in Philly, was primarily just catch and shoot threes. Um, with little, every now and then, a couple uh, pull up jumpers and things like that. So uh, I don't think that's really. I don't think he's really a guy that is going to uh, take away touches from. Um, from Rose, so so I think Rose still have a big role, but I'd imagine that T, uh, whenever he's healthy, gets gets the starting job back. But um, it definitely looks like Rose has some role in the NBA at this point. Um, but I don't think it's a starting caliber point guard still. Yeah. All right. So I'm looking through SeatGeek because anytime something big happens with those former teams, I got to see what prices <laughs> are going for. So March yeah. 30th is Philly's first game in Minnesota since the trade. Hmm. Right now, the cheapest ticket is seventy four dollars. Do you wow. think performance on the courts will make that ticket price go up by then? I think I think a lot of it depends. Um, if I, I think I think by then, obviously, like I said, I think Philly will be be red hot and rolling. Um, I think a lot of it depends on the Timberwolves. If the Timberwolves are any good, then um, if they kind of get this this turned around, I know they're they're uh, they don't look too hot right now. But um, <laughs> I think the if least. they're any good, then yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that was was Butler related. So. Um, I think they can definitely kind of put the, put themselves back into playoff contention, but yeah, I think I think if, if the Wolves are in, in any spot to to make a run toward the playoff the last couple of weeks, then that that price will will go up. Um, but I generally I generally think things like this uh, this price spikes way up and then it kind of trickles back down. Right. Um, I'm interested to see what the what the price is for. Uh, the, the Wolves game uh, in in Philly just because they'll, they'll be welcoming back uh, Sarge and Covington are two two kind of fan favorites um, and so I, I would be curious to see what those are about thirty dollars um, right now wow really okay yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting just because I think a lot of people really like Covington and Sarge and while they yeah. they they like they really they understand the trade it was kind of emotionally tough for for some people um, which is weird to see but yeah I, mean, I, I think I think the ticket prices will probably um, fluctuate as as i do with most most sporting events or just events in general but um i think a lot of it a lot of it's contingent on if the wolves are any any good um for that march 30th game in, in minnesota but um yeah 74 that's <laughs> that's that's crazy i know i was looking um i was looking at some tickets I'm, I'm from portland i was back home for a few days looking at tickets when they put the pelicans last week and uh tickets for like six bucks or something like uh, <laughs> which is which is absurdly low um, yeah i know because yeah 70 74 is pretty it's pretty steep to get to get nosebleeds to watch uh, two two uh, teams play, but the best. But yeah, I guess that. Yeah. The best is looking at Cleveland's tickets because it's like four dollars, two dollars, eight dollars, one hundred and ten dollars, three dollars, six dollars. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I know that I think I think kind of going off topic, but I think the the Spurs are retiring uh, Mono's number against against the uh, yeah in a game against the the Cavs uh, in March, and I think the tickets there are like insanely expensive already. Um, and every every other Spurs game is pretty is pretty cheap, uh, which makes sense. But yeah, it's it's funny to see when when the uh, like people people are on that so quickly on those those sites. You know, they 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 drive that price because they know people are going to start paying for it. Um, but yeah, it's just funny. It's just funny to see. You, know, you can just you can just watch the watch the ticker kind of climb with those things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey man, this has been awesome, and you know we always appreciate having you on. You've been a great guest for us twice now. Um, but I can't let you get out of here without your bold prediction <laughs> for the rest of the year. Now that Jimmy Butler is the seventy sixer. Oh man, uh, so it's got it's got to be related to to that. Um, oh geez, this is this is tough. Um, <laughs> bold prediction. I don't know. I don't know if I have anything really bold. I think a lot of what I my opinions have been pretty pretty funny. It was it was a pretty similar, excuse me, to most people. What it was funny. Uh, Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer wrote a piece about um, kind of how he'd fit on the court and all that, and kind of what it means for Philadelphia. Um, the Ringer had a few few really, few really good and diverse pieces about uh, that trade, which I which I liked. Um, but yeah, it was just funny. I was reading through that and I was like, this is more or less kind of what I exactly what I thought too. And uh, he basically just fleshed it all out and, and, and published it. Um, which is funny, but I think, I think we're going to see a, an improved Ben Simmons. Um, he's been off to kind of a slow start. Um, I think part of that is in, in, is due to, he had a little bit of a back injury. He, came, he missed the Detroit game and came out early of the Orlando game. Um, and he doesn't quite look as spry. So I think as he gets kind of healthy, we'll, we'll see him ramp it back up. Um, but I think this is really going to help him, uh, have another primary ball handler or an effective primary ball handler. Uh, is is really going to do wonders for him. It's going to let, let him do some uh, and use some of his versatility. Um, I wrote a piece this summer about how I thought Fultz could be the guy to unlock that. Obviously, it hasn't quite come to fruition, but uh, you can use him as a screener. You can uh, use him as the role man and pick and rolls and things like that um, off the ball more. Let him be an insane cutter with athleticism and size and finishing ability. Um, so I think we're going to see an improved uh, Ben Simmons for sure. Um, I think that's that's the biggest thing that I'm I'm taking away both in the short term and the long term. I think. Uh, this is gonna, it's gonna kind of force him to adapt more off the ball. But I think uh, in the long run, it's really gonna, really gonna pay dividends for him. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jackson, man, I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much again for being a guest on the show. Um, so, if you want to, before we get out of here, go and shout out where uh, your Twitter account, where uh, people <laughs> keep up with your social media work. By all means, man, the floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Jack Frank uh, JJF, and then. Uh, all my Sixers-related content is at uh, SP Nation's Liberty Ballers and uh, The Athletic moving forward. And then uh, general NBA thoughts are uh, at the step back. Uh, as a, They're at the fan side's NBA division. Um, I'll have a piece about Karis LeVert. Um, hopefully coming out tomorrow, i got to put the finishing touches on it. Uh, We're having our not, code on Karis LeVert soon, too. <laughs> I was about to say, like, totally not original. I know everyone's been <laughs> writing about him, but uh, I just totally love that dude. Um, Same. He's just so fun to watch. Uh I whenever I watch Nets games, um, which obviously I don't have a ton of time, um, but when I do, I just he just pops off the screen. He even did it last year a lot. I, whenever I watched, I probably watched like the, at least t- uh, ten or twelve of their games, and he was just he's just so fun to watch. And uh, didn't have a great game against the Warriors last night, but um, but yeah, I think it's just kind of centered around how he's gonna uh, potentially help them uh, go to the playoffs because they're they're in the eighth seed right now, and they've had a pretty tough schedule, and they're they don't have a positive net rating even after they lost to uh, the Warriors by like twenty last night. So. Um, the Nets are fun. Karis LeVert's fun. Jimmy Butler and the Sixers will be fun. And uh, 
I think my Twitter's fun, so you can follow me there. Like I said, <laughs> at Jack Frank underscore JJF. <laughs> yeah, we, we cover the best league in the world, that's for sure, man. Well, hey, dude. Yeah. Thank you again so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. We can't wait to see all your work coming out soon, okay? Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, take it easy, Jackson. All right. All right, what is up? Uh, I am Kyle Brandon. Joining me, as always, is Ben Brown. What's happening, Ben? Man, just another crazy week in the NBA, my brother. It is What's going a crazy on? week. Absolutely. Uh, of course, the crazy news about Jimmy Butler. Once it happened, we knew that we had to get our good friend of the pod, Ben Beacon, back. Uh, ben is the uh, site expert at dunking, at dunking on Wolves, Dunking with Wolves. Um, ben, crazy couple days. How's it going? Yeah, it's been crazy. I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Good, man. Have you good. slept at all? Just... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, well, yeah, it's been... What. Yeah, now that now that this thing's over, I slept like a baby, so... Good. Well, I bet, man. I mean, because, I mean, you look at just the Jimmy Butler saga from the get-go to where we are today, I mean, I'm sure you had many sleepless nights and just kind of kind of craziness, you know? Yeah, I mean the what was it like six six seven weeks ago we talked and it was it was like shortly after the trade demand was made and and I think everybody thought that um, you know we wouldn't we wouldn't be sitting here on what November 11th when when this you know finally happened I guess on the 10th or whatever but yeah it uh, it definitely was drawn out yeah it was and I feel like uh, I don't know I feel like Jimmy Butler kind of got villainized a little bit more and more as we go and and. Maybe rightfully so. Um, so I am kind of glad that it's over because it was getting pretty nasty there with waving towels around and stuff like that. And just being like overtly a bad teammate instead of yeah. like covertly a bad teammate. Yeah. So. yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, I, I do think that um, that opinion's kind of shifted. I think that a lot of the uh, the national media attention was pretty pro-Butler. I mean, I think we talked before the whole... Um, the whole Jimmy Butler shows up at practice for the first time and Rachel Nichols from ESPN happens to show up there. And obviously the whole thing is planned. And, and I think for whatever reason, still a lot of the coverage was like, Oh man, Jimmy's so great. And then after opening night, when Wolves fans booed him and then chanted MVP by the end of the game, I mean, he had a great game and, you know, on the one hand, like I get it as a Timberwolves fan being from Minnesota, I know how difficult it's been to not have a playoff team for so long. So it's like, all right, you want to cheer the guy, but then the media was like, you know, Brian Windhorst, he spins like, oh, I've never seen anything like it. The crowd, you know, changed their minds. They loved him by the end. It was kind of sickening um, because there was a lot of things that, that Jimmy did that, that weren't great. And obviously the Wolves are at fault too for a lot of it. But, um, yeah, I think everybody was ready to move on, and, and that's exactly what happened finally. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm curious on what your initial thoughts were on the trade. Uh, if you – associated like a grade with it just kind of what your overall feelings were once once the news broke yeah it's tricky it was pretty quick so yeah i know for me i just like just checked my phone and there it was it was done so uh it wasn't kind of like developing or at least i wasn't getting alerts that it was developing so it was a a real quick quick process yeah well and apparently it came out afterwards i think it was um 
I think it was uh, Shams from The Athletic. I don't know if that, I'm saying that right, but I think he was the one that said that the Wolves and the Kings had talked about it on Friday and that Butler almost didn't, or sorry, not the Wolves and the Kings, the Wolves and the Sixers had talked about it on Friday and the Wolves were playing at Sacramento that night and they almost rested Butler because they knew they knew that it was close, but they decided to play him anyways and then the guys the Wolves ended up getting from Philly that played also on Friday night and then apparently before they took off from Sacramento um, after they lost um, on Friday, the deal was done, and nobody knew about it until midday on Saturday. So it was pretty incredible how quiet it was that even guys like Woj didn't even know anything about it until it was basically done. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's tricky to grade something like this because it's you know in a vacuum, I think it's a good a good return. But given the circumstances, given the lack of leverage that the Wolves had, everybody knew they needed to trade him and, and all that. Um, I think it's a really really good return. I mean, it's it's hard to do a lot better. Um, we don't know exactly what was on the table from Miami back in September, shortly after we talked last. Um, but it sounds like at one point Josh Richardson and at least one first round pick and probably um, I think it was probably either Kelly Olynyk or um, I think the Wolves were asking for Bam Adebayo and, and the Heat weren't going to give him. But whatever that package was was centered around Josh Richardson. Um, you can make an argument that that would have been a better deal to take, um, depending on what you think of Josh Richardson. Um, but, I mean, you're getting now what the Wolves ended up getting in, in Dario Saric. I mean, he, he still could be a star. I mean, he's only he doesn't turn 25 until the end of the season. Um, and then you've got a guy like Robert Covington, who's one of the best 3 and D players in the league on a very affordable contract as the cap keeps increasing for four more years, three years after this one. Um, so they basically traded one starter for two. And, and obviously Jimmy Butler is the best player in the trade. Um, it's not close. But, I mean you know, to get back two starters and, and they're going to be competitive this year still, you know, the rest of the season. Um, and it gives them flexibility moving forward and, and adds another young, a piece to the young core. Um, so it's hard to, to argue. I mean, the only, I guess the one, the one nitpick I would have is they only ended up with a second round pick three years from now. Um, it would have been nice to get a first rounder. Um, it right. sounds like, but it sounds like initially Philadelphia was only going to give one of Sharich or Covington, and the Wolves said, no, we need both of them. And then the Sixers backed off of a first-rounder. And, and, you know, all things considered, I think they did pretty well. Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, so speaking of those two guys, Covington and Sarge, um, which one of those pieces are you most excited about? Because I think that, uh, I think that they got an absolute uh, great return on that, like you just said. Um, what, what, which two of those guys are you guys most excited about there in Timberwolves land? Yeah, I think, um, the upside of Sharich is still very much there. And so I think that's exciting as of today, right now, I'm really excited to see Robert Covington play on this team. Um, the Wolves haven't had, I wrote about this at Duncan with Wolves on Saturday. The Wolves haven't had a real three and D guy other than, you know, you could include Jimmy Butler, but I mean, he's a superstar. So outside of him, they haven't had like a role player three and D guy really ever since it started becoming a thing like 10 years ago. I mean, the Wolves have always kind of chased that idea and they've never had somebody that, that was good at those two things. Covington's arguably as good of a defender as Jimmy Butler um, and, and was on the all-defense de- team last year and he's a really good three-point shooter. Um, and so to have that guy that can space the floor, know his role, you know, and and shoot threes and get steals, I mean, that's that's awesome. That's going to be a lot of fun to, to plug that right in. I think if Sharch becomes what he could become if he gets anywhere near his ceiling, I mean, 
he's really a perfect fit next to Towns. I mean, if, if you could fit anyone next to Towns, it would be um, a guy who could space the floor and score a little bit in the post and play solid defense. It, you know, Sharich has some work to do on defense, as does Towns, and so I think that's really the only issue they're going to have in the front court is is neither one of those guys is, is an awesome defender. Um, but they're both okay, and they're both young, and um, they can both space the floor, they can both play in the post, they can both pass the ball. Um, so I think it's really exciting to see if he can play next to Towns, what that upside could look like. Um, and then, you know, the backcourt is is Covington's going to slot right in there next to Wiggins on the wing. And, um, you know, that's that gives him a pretty dynamic starting five, and it makes the team deeper. Trading one starter for two, it'll probably push Taj Gibbs, Gibbs into the bench, um, which is probably a better role for him as well as he's played as a starter. And it just makes the team, you know, it, it, it backfills that role and, and gives him some more depth. Yeah, uh... I I agree that I think that Saric is the the piece to be looking for like in the future, but I love Robert Covington mm-hmm. especially this year. Uh I mean honestly if this trade didn't happen, I feel like we should still be talking about Robert Covington this week. Yep. I mean this guy is I mean we're calling him a 3 and D. I would almost call him a D and 3. He is yeah. like elite on defense. Like you said he's first team all NBA last year. Yeah. I actually I, so I pulled up uh on NBA.com, opponents' field goal percentage when they're being guarded by players. So, for example, uh, Clay Thompson, when he's guarding opponents, they shoot 50% from the field. And I and I went down the line with some of the uh, the better defensive players in the league. So, Oladipo and Horford were at 48%. Um, Butler was at 48% as well. Paul George at 45 Um Draymond was at 42. Robert Covington, when he's guarding opponents, they were shooting 35% this year. Wow. Which is incredible. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I still think he's pacing to to be uh, first-team all-defense again. Yeah. Um, I mean, he turns 28 next month, I think it is. So, I really like the fit. I think he slides in super easy to this lineup. Yeah, and I think one of the things that that having him in the lineup instead of Butler does, and I want to be clear, I'm not arguing that that Butler's not the best player in this trade because right. he is. <laughs> right. But that said, you know, given the roster makeup, part of the issue with um, with the roster makeup that the Wolves have is since Tibbs got to Minnesota, he got rid of um, you know. Uh, like he replaced Ricky Rubio with Jeff Teague. So he got rid of a guy who was going to pass first to a point guard who, you know, distributes the ball well, but is, has always been more of a scoring point guard. And then he added Jimmy Butler alongside Andrew Wiggins, who is a 23 point a game scorer before he played alongside Butler. So now he had, you know, four of the five starters, except for Taj Gibson was the only starter who's not an offensive minded, high usage player that's shooting tons of, you know, that's going to shoot with the ball in his hands. Um, and that was always a little bit of an issue. And that's why the pieces fit a little weird. And the offense was always, you know, what are they really doing on offense other than running a lot of pick and rolls, uh, pick and pops, um, with towns. Um, but now, you know, I mean, obviously whether it's Teague or Derek Rose starting, they're both shoot first guys. Um, but you swap Butler out for a guy who's, who's, going to shoot threes and not do anything else on offense um you know he can cut a little bit but is really just a spot up three-point shooter and charge can can pass and shoot but you know he's more of a, a distributor than taj gibson he can play some point forward and what he's what the wolves will now have is they can split those shots more equally between wiggins and towns with um Sharich and covington spacing the floor and teague can score when he needs to and derrick rose can score when he needs to and, and i think 
getting more guys that know their roles. I mean, they have Anthony Tolliver coming off the bench now, and he shoots over 40% from three over the last couple of years, and, and he Love knows him. his role. Um, mm-hmm. you know, just to have some of those role players on a team like this is going to be really important. And, and obviously, you need Carl Anthony Towns to step up. Um, and that's going to be the key, certainly the rest of this year, if they're going to even have a shot at the playoffs. They're only 4-9 and nine now, so they've got to get hot. Um, but but from a team-building perspective, the roster's a lot more balanced now, and they've got a lot a lot, um, you know, more in terms of effective pieces. Yeah, I agree. Do you think they're done making moves? So guys like, you know, like you mentioned, Tolliver. Um, do you think Tolliver finishes the season on the team? Bayless seems to be one that people are talking about. It's not gonna, not gonna last. But I mean, he—I feel like he's on a movable contract, yeah. an expiring eight, eight and a half million dollar contract. I would, I think it really depends on on what the next few weeks look like. Um, okay. Uh, if if they suddenly get hot, you know, getting Butler out of there and the guys are more comfortable, more at ease, Towns plays harder, is more excited to be there. Whatever happens, if something clicks with Wiggins. Um, if they play really well, um, I don't think they'll make any more changes. If they continue to struggle, I think they're probably going to look to to get rid of Gorgie Jenks' contract, um, which won't be easy to do. He's got like three years, 40-some million left. Um, but they've talked about packaging him with Tyus Jones to a team that needs a young point guard. Uh, Phoenix, I guess, was interested in Tyus Jones in the offseason. Um, make a move there to free up some additional cap space, because um, Sharch is going to be up for an extension starting next summer. I mean, he doesn't doesn't become a restricted free agent until 2020, but they can extend him next summer. And in order to do that, they've got to move either Wiggins or Jang. Um, obviously, they'd rather move Jang. But um, so what I think they'll probably do is is kind of test the market. If the team is under 500 at the deadline, I bet they move one of those guys. It could even be Wiggins um, if they can get a decent return back. Um, but if you know if they're competitive, I don't know that they do much else. Um, December fifteenth is always that date where we see some movement because that's when guys who signed as restricted or unrestricted free agents over the summer are available to be traded. So December fifteenth will be a date to keep in mind. Um, I don't think Tolliver gets moved. Um, I think they're more likely to trade Tyus Jones and Bayless just because um, Tyus, if Bayless is healthy, he's a good backup point guard. Rose has played really well. They've got Jeff Teague. Tyus still has some value around the league, I would think. Um, so especially if they start to struggle, I could see them maybe trading him, trying to get back a pick or something. Um, so I don't know. I, I'd put it. I, I think it's more likely than not they don't do anything until the deadline. But depending on what happens until then, you know, there's there's definitely a chance they could make a few more moves. All right. So, I guess the big question is now, what is the feel of this team now that Butler is gone? He's been such a distraction. Uh, He's kind of, you know, put the spotlight on himself as far as, you know, being that guy, you know, waving the flag and a towel and all that stuff and, you know, the secret press conferences and all that stuff. What is the feel of this team now? I mean, Carl Anthony Towns, to me, has not played like Carl Anthony Towns. Um Wiggins did not play like Wiggins. It almost feels like they had like a cloud underneath of them. Yeah. So now that Butler is gone, what is the feel of this team now that that move's been made? That's a great question. Um, I think we'll know a lot more. Well, I suppose Monday night, it sounds like the trade won't officially happen until Monday, and so nobody is going to play on their new teams Monday. So I think the Wolves' next game would be Wednesday. Um, we'll know a lot more, I think, once we see them on the court. But I've got to believe um, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins are both good dudes, and, and – you can just tell that they've been pretty miserable. Um, mm-hmm. Even going back to during last season, even when they were making the playoffs and, and there was some optimism, um, you know, I, I do think that it will be pretty noticeable. 
Um, hopefully Covington and Charge buy in right away and aren't too depressed that they got moved away from the Sixers because I do think that this team could contend for a playoff spot still in the West. If Towns is if Towns was an all-star last year, right? I mean, like most teams that have even one all-star are in the playoffs. So if Towns plays like he did for much of last year and if he understands like, hey, this is my team now, I have to, I have to take over and you know, if Derrick Rose keeps playing above what anyone thought he could do, this is probably a playoff team. You know, it's probably a seven or eight seed, even in the West. The problem is that now they've, you know, they've spotted the rest of the league five games, um, the rest mm-hmm. of the conference. And so they've got to, you know, without doing all the math in front of me, they've got to basically be, what, six, seven, eight games above 500 the rest of the way if they're going to make the playoffs. So they put themselves in a tough hole. Um, but I've got to believe that this is the first step in the right direction. It sounds like, um, I think Woj posted an article on Sunday today um, about kind of the last few days and how things went down. And it sounds like ownership finally said, Hey, this just needs to get done. Mm-hmm. And Tibbs finally came to the realization that everyone was, he apparently didn't realize how miserable everybody was and how much that would affect the team winning. Um, and then it took a five game road trip where they lost all five games um, to really realize, Hey, we can't, we can't win if these guys are this miserable. So I think, I think we'll know a lot more after we see a couple games play out um, and see how the new pieces fit in. But I've got to believe Towns is going to have a weight lifted off his shoulders. And now it's up to him to channel that in the right direction and to understand that it's all on him now. And, um, you know, Wiggins obviously has to make some adjustments too. Um, but they've still got some good players. They've still got veterans. I, I think, uh, think this will go a long way towards at least making them competitive night in and night out. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I like that roster. I mean, mm-hmm. the roster is still strong. I mean, I just think that, you know, making that move is only going to help their morale and help them play better. Yeah. Agreed. And, and and like I said before, the roster is just deeper now. I mean, you added mm-hmm. another rotation player. If you want to include Bayless, you added two guys who could play in the rotation. And they've had some injuries. Jeff Teague's only played in seven games. Um, so he's still been hurt. Tyus Jones has been nicked up a little bit. Um, so they need to uh, they need to get healthy. But it's certainly becoming a much deeper roster. Yeah, I I agree. And you, you're saying they're making steps in the right direction. We had you on uh, before the season started for a really awesome team preview of the Wolves. Uh, and, of course, we talked about last season and how they made the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. And I believe you said it was the first time since you were 15 that they made the playoffs. Yeah, or I think so? that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I... I really hate to even do this and bring up Chicago because I do I do understand that that like buying a car and then selling it you know what I mean the the value depreciates especially over a year and a half and You're stuff like that fans. does that playoff appearance make it worth it because there's a lot of value in that playoff appearance yeah uh, especially for you know what I mean for a city that went 13 years without one yeah. Um, would you do you think that that one year was worth it? Looking at it now, I, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, you're you're saying in comparison to what they traded away to get Butler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We, I don't think. I mean, even two weeks ago, I don't think anyone thought Zach Levine was what he was going to be. I think Laurie Markin has already exceeded expectations. Yeah. So, like, that's not really fair, I guess. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's tough, uh, honestly. And I know this isn't really what you're asking, but I think that. The pieces they get back for Butler, that they got back for Butler, depending on how they turn out. I mean, because that's technically an extension of the trade. And if you want to play the game where they, you know, they gave up Levine and Markinen and and Dunn and they got back now, you know, whoever they got back. So you look at, um, 
basically the pieces from the Sixers are, is what they got back. So depending on what that turns into, I mean, I think I think you factor that in too. Um, but and I would a playoff say yes, though, right? Like that's yeah, yeah. That, right? that matters. That's one of the pieces they mm-hmm. got was a playoff appearance last right. year. And 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 even to, regardless of how gross things have felt over the last few weeks around the Wolves, um, people in Minnesota care a lot more than they have recently about um, about basketball in Minnesota and and I you know truthfully Timberwolves fans as a whole I think have been pretty disgusted by by all the stuff that's happened with Butler and Tibbs and I think it's likely Tibbs unless they make a miraculous run this is probably his last year in Minnesota um, I think he will get fired unless they do something crazy um, and so I, I think on the one hand, more people care now and they're relevant again. You know, the team's actually on national TV and Towns is an all-star. And and so that matters. Um, It's just, so yeah, I I think you're right. We can't discount that. Um, You know, I was, I was pumped as somebody who's watched way too much terrible basketball over the last 14 years to, to finally make the playoffs. And and I think that that does matter. I I think that it goes a long way. I just wish that um, we'll see how it turns out. I mean, I think, I think it all depends on if, did they waste those assets completely for just one playoff appearance? Um, you know, I think Zach Levine's going to be a really good scorer for a long time. I don't know if he'll be, if he'll be a good enough defender to be an all-star. I don't know if, you know, there's still some question marks there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's certainly something that's going to be talked about for a long time. And it's an interesting question to, to ask. Yeah. And you said, you think tips is gone by the end of the year. Um. Yeah. Do you think he makes it to the end of the year? And how does he not know? Like, right. That was going to be my. <laughs> like, when you said that he just didn't know. Yeah. The well, feeling of the team, the, like the look that Ben gave me, like, like that. Yeah, I just don't understand that. Like, how can you be around the team all the time and not yeah. feel that way? Like, and I, I get it. Jimmy Butler is a Tibbs guy, and Tibbs yeah. is a Jimmy Butler guy, and I know those two. I mean, they they ride or die for Thickest each other. Thieves. Yeah, they are thick as thieves. But how could you honestly sit and look at yourself and like, you know what? I really didn't feel all that tension. I don't know what everybody's talking about. Like, what's what's well, that's so that's and that's. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the article from Woj. I think it was today that he posted it. Um, but that was uh, that. That's basically what he said. You know, I'm not. I'm not a beat reporter. I'm not around the team myself, and so I'm repeating what he said. That that Tibbs like didn't realize it until this road trip that how bad things were and and that's i think part of the problem i mean the image i have of tibbs with this team is and and allegedly if you if we believe jimmy butler's camp his agent and everything he requested a trade or said he wanted a trade way back in like june or july and apparently tibbs ignored it and now tibbs has said differently and the team has said hey we didn't get the request till september whatever so i guess it's tough to know who to believe but if Butler legitimately requested that trade earlier and, and Tibbs, it sounds like what happened is he just ignored it, didn't want to deal with it, figured hey, Butler's competitive, you know um, we can win, we made the playoffs last year, why would he want to be at, why would he want to be traded and, and just kind of stuck his head in the sand and it, it gives the impression that that's just what Tibbs does, like he locks himself in his office, watches film for 20 hours a day and doesn't interact with the players except for at practice and at games I don't know for sure that that's true but that's the impression that I think a lot of fans have, um and you know, just even the little things. Like I mean, Tibbs, he doesn't. He's not. He's not going to give. I can count on one hand the number of times I've seen Tibbs give a player a high five when they come back to the bench. In fact, um, Jim Peterson, the the fantastic color analyst for the Timberwolves on Fox Sports North, 
um, he noted that the other day at a game. He gave somebody, I think it was Tolliver or somebody, a high five when they came back to the bench, and, and Jim Peterson said, man, you don't see that very often. He must have been really happy with him. Um, because it's just that's just not Tibbs. It's tough love, and you know that's what Jimmy Butler likes. Um, that's not what Carl Anthony Towns likes. And um, I think Timberwolves ownership is going to realize, hey, you know, we wanted this this tough, hard nosed coach to come in here and teach these kids defense, but it's backfiring. You know, he's not a player's coach. He's barely communicating with the team or, or whatever that might be. And it, if he didn't really realize that this was such a big deal, that's what that tells me. It tells me he doesn't have a good pulse on his team, and that's really worrisome. Yeah, I would agree with that. That just, I, I just shook my head. Like, how do you not? I yeah, mean, he, but he must not have been in the practice when uh, Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy took the, the, yeah. the threes. <laughs> right, right. Sure that that's, that's Tibbs just thinking, oh right. man, this is you know this is what we want. We want, but intensity, and, and, yeah, right. Yeah, and maybe that works for for some teams. And and obviously, like you know, Jimmy Butler. I saw something else today about how he's he needs to understand this is his third try now because like him and Fred Hoiberg didn't get along in Chicago and, um, you know, say what you want about Fred Hoiberg, but clearly Butler had, there were some issues with him. And then the same thing in Minnesota, very similar where, um, you had Butler not getting along with his younger teammates. And now he's going to go to Philly where Joel Embiid and, and, uh, Ben Simmons, they're, they're not the same personalities as Jimmy Butler. Um, so he's got to make it work in Philadelphia. And I mean, that's a whole nother thing, but, um, yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like Butler and Tibbs were not on the same page, and, and they were both equally at fault for what happened, you know, to, to end Butler's time in Minnesota. Yeah, that's that's just, I don't know. I, I'm still shaking my head. Yeah. Um, so what does uh, this team, I, I want to look at, like, their, their depth. Uh, I want to look at their rotation, starting five. What's the starting five look like? What's their bench now look like? Um, and any kind of like maybe like prediction of what you see for these next, let's just say next ten games. I I my quick assumption would be uh, the starters like Sarich and Covington would play forty five minutes a game, and he would rotate the bench for a minute yeah. or so. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Knowing tips. <laughs> yeah, he's actually uh, the rotations haven't been quite as crazy this year, which is surprising. Towns is only averaging like 33 minutes. Wiggins is like at 32, which is a lot lower than last year. Um, but, but yeah, um, I think I think Charge will start at the four. Maybe not game one, um, just because new team and everything. And and Tibbs love loves Taj Gibson. Um, but but I think long term. I mean, and this could even be in the next week or two. I think you're still looking at Jeff Teague. It's you know you're looking at Teague, Covington, Wiggins, Charge, and Towns. Um, and Derek Rose is going to see heavy minutes off the bench, and and I've been, I mean, if anybody's read what I've written about Derek Rose over the last really two years since he first started being rumored as somebody the Wolves would go after, I've been pretty hard on Derek Rose because he hasn't been good in five six years, and obviously injuries and, and everything. I don't want to, you know, rag on Rose for that, but he just hasn't been very good until the last couple weeks, and he's actually been incredible. Um, and so if that keeps up, he deserves minutes, and it's hard to it's hard to argue with that. Um, but then your bench unit, you know, you've got you've got a uh, um, you bump Gibson to the bench. You've got Tolliver, you've got Gorgie Jang, Tyus Jones, um, Joshua Kogi is the rookie. He was the 20th pick in the draft this last June. Mm-hmm. He's played really, really well, especially defensively. He's not a good offensive player yet, but he's really athletic, um, really good in transition, outstanding defender. Um, so he's going to get those short minutes on the wing behind Covington and behind uh, behind Wiggins. Um, the biggest question for me is who loses minutes by making the team deeper? Um, 
is it going to be Taj Gibson that loses minutes? I think he'll lose some. Um, is Anthony Tolliver, you know, because Tolliver is the, the obvious answer because Sharch is a similar player in terms of being a stretch four, right. um, obviously more talented and, and should get more minutes than Tolliver, but does that squeeze Tolliver out? Or do the Wolves play more small ball and Gorgie Jang only sees minutes at the five behind Towns, which is probably 10, 12 minutes a game? I think that's probably most likely. I think Tolliver still sees 15, 20 minutes. I think Gibson still sees 20 to 25 minutes, and I think it's Gorgie Jang that gets squeezed out. Um, but it's a deep team now, um, if they're healthy, and, and that's been the biggest thing. I mean, they've had to play C.J. Williams in a handful of games this year, and he's a two-way contract player. Um, they've had to play, you know, um, uh, Jared Terrell, who was an undrafted rookie, um, had to play 20 minutes in the game in Portland the other night and was just, just awful. You know, it wasn't really his fault. He was forced to fly out there and play, hasn't even hardly played in the G League yet. Um and and they've had some injury problems, but overall it's a deep team. I mean, they go ten deep now. They they do, um, and so I think I think uh, as long as Tibbs keeps keeps guys fresh and um, the new guys mesh, um, I think they've the team's actually in a really good spot for this year and beyond. Right on, man. Well, we're gonna uh, we're about to wrap this up. We're gonna do a quick lightning round. I got some questions for you, so we're just gonna we're just gonna blaze through these and. Uh... I think I might just want one word answers because I, I I'm I'm curious on what you think. All right, got it. Yep. So here here we go. Um, do the wolves make the playoffs? Yes or no? No. Do the wolves win in Philadelphia uh, on January fifteenth? <laughs> uh man, I'm gonna say no. Do they win the home game March thirtieth? Yeah. Okay. Uh, does Derrick Rose win the three-point competition this year? <laughs> I mean, if he shoots five of seven every night from now until then, I think he'll be in it for sure. Okay. And, uh, like uh, yeah, do you, think that, do you think that Andrew Wiggins now takes the leap that he needs and, and is worth the contract? No, I, I don't, and I, I hate okay. I hate it because I, I really like Wiggins. I mean, he yeah. I think he gets a bad rap. People act like he doesn't care, and I don't think that's it. It's just his, his personality. I mean, Minnesota sports fans have always been – so this is completely um, jumping to a different sport, but Minnesota sports fans have always been a little hard on Joe Maurer, who just retired, and so it's kind of topical. But he was a similar personality where he's just kind of reserved. Was Even when in big moments, he didn't really show – emotion much either way but was a superstar won an mvp will probably be in the hall of fame someday um but he got a hard time from fans because he wasn't kevin garnett right he wasn't just he wasn't jimmy butler he didn't wear his heart on his sleeve wiggins is the same way now he's nowhere nearly as good at basketball as joe Mauro was at baseball um but i think he gets a bad rap that said you know, you can't be six seven and jump out of the gym and average three four rebounds a game um and that's right. been his issue um you know, if he can right now, he's hovering around forty percent shooting threes. Really small sample size. If he can do that, if he can shoot forty percent on threes and play good defense, guard the second best wing on the other team next to Covington, um, that's useful. I mean, then he'd be a, they're a playoff team probably if he does that. Um, it's not worth the contract, but unfortunately, I'm I'm. This is the season when uh, a pretty good comparison is DeMar DeRozan. This is the season DeRozan made the leap, which is, I think, his fifth year in the league. And Wiggins has to do it this year. If he doesn't do it this year, um, he's never going to do it. And and I think it's more likely than not that it doesn't happen. It, it's just it's it just hasn't clicked for him, unfortunately. 
Very interesting. This is his fifth year with DeRozan. I like that. That's a that's a good one. Uh, well, Ben, uh, we'd like to thank you again for coming on. I'd like to give you a moment to uh, plug yourself on Twitter and uh, Dunkin' with Wolves and everywhere we can find you. For sure, yeah. Um, again, I appreciate you guys having me. Um, so my Twitter is uh, B Beacon. That's B as in boy. Um, Beacon, B-E-E-C-K-E-N. Um, and then I'm the co-expert, co-site expert at Dunking with Wolves, um, which is the Wolves blog on the fan side of network. And our Twitter handle is um, at DunkingWolvesFS, as in fan-sided. Um, and then our website is DunkingWithWolves.com. Um, and we, uh, we are... You know, we've had, I don't know, probably six posts in the last 48 hours about the Butler trade. Um, and we'll be covering that moving forward as the new guys play this week. Um, so definitely uh, definitely swing by there, and, and we'll keep everyone up to speed with, with all sorts of Wolves commentary throughout the season. Awesome, Ben. Well, uh, I know that myself and Ben are glad that uh, that you and the rest of everyone in, in Minnesota doesn't have to get bullied anymore. <laughs> so uh, good luck with the rest of the season. We Absolutely. appreciate it, man. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, right. guys. Take, take care, man. See you, bye. You too.